0: Um, but I was just reminded this morning as we were praying together that, you know, God ordains and governs the world for specific purposes, and I just found it interesting how we, you know, we're kind of going in this this series of DNA, kind of like our visions and values and who we are, and in a way God, I think, wants to step in in a moment and kind of speak to us um, quite specifically, so I'm really excited for what He has to say to us, and I'm just going to pray for Stefan quickly. Father, we thank You for Your Word, thank You that Your Word is alive, we thank You that You are sovereign and in control. We thank you for this moment. Maybe it's a moment of pause, or maybe there's specific people here that you're wanting to speak to people uh, quite directly and intentionally, Father God. And we pray that our hearts would be receptive and that you would speak through Stephan in love and grace and strength and in joy. In your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, Nathan. So guys, here at One Hope, we're actually, I think, looking for individuals who would have the gift of miracles, and I think that's the reason for the waters. So at the end, we're going to see who has turned it into wine. We're going to see who has that power there. But no, uh, do stay hydrated. And it's you know when I was um, sort of asked, sort of volunteered to speak, I was uh, excited to do it because I love I love talking about uh, what God is doing in my life, and I hope that it can be a blessing then to others. Um, so this past week, I spent some time in a few airports uh, traveling to Mozambique. Um, I was there for about a week, and while I was moving through the, the, the various airports, jo- uh, Cape Town, Johannesburg, and then also within Mozambique there in nampula it became quite clear to me the comfort level that many people are living in. Um, You know, for many, their jobs provide some really incredible benefits uh, that so many in the world just are not privileged to. I mean, those benefits include that I was able to observe flying first class, some of them, Um, having access to those lounges in the international airports, you know what I'm talking about, huh? Uh, Or some of you have also heard about them like I have, um, but never actually had the opportunity to go in. Uh, The benefit of having some pretty extravagant per diem rates. So I saw people just kind of throwing money all around within the airports, and it's money to spend. Um, Also, um, first-rate accommodation when they get to their location. Or one of my favorite times is when I come out of um, Customs, and then I see the people there, you know, with the limos or whatever, the nice vehicles picking people up. I've had this in- intense urge sometimes. You know, they're holding up the sign, uh, looking for somebody, and I've had this intense urge to go up to them and say, yeah, that's me. Um, and, and just see where it takes me. But, um, but yeah, you know, many of you guys um, have had this opportunity to enter into job contracts, uh, with your employer, and you're used to maybe that early phase um, of sitting down with them and discussing the what we call the benefit package. The what are the benefits that you're going to get for working in this job? What I want us to do, just very very quickly, like just literally 15 seconds. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your friend, and those of you who've experienced that, those of you who who maybe have had some pretty unique job benefits. Share that. Those of you who who maybe are still, that's still a phase of life that you're coming to. Talk about with your friend, what's the one that you would love it if they give you? Unique. Not the, they're going to give you a salary, but what's some unique benefits that they're going to give you? Okay. This is where as a teacher I think I need to dim the lights or something that means stop talking. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and 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 bring it back together again and what are some of the what are some of the ideas? Let's kind of start over in this corner of the room over here. What were what were some pretty unique job benefits that either you've experienced or maybe you've heard about? Somebody in this section. Free? Okay. <laughs> Vet care. <laughs> for, for the animals. No, I like that one. What about over here? What, what's, a, what's a unique one that you've heard about or you've even experienced? Nothing unique. Come on. There has to be some unique. Matching savings. Huh? If you guys put so much money away, they're going to they're gonna match that. Not a, bad, not a bad gig. Check with them. They're going to tell you the companies. You guys can go work for them. Over here, what, what, what's the group? What's the, what's the unique thing? Th- this almost looks like the, the, the one that we want them to offer us. I think these two groups over here. Okay. Anyone? Free coffee. Free coffee. I like that one. Over here in this group. Come on. Say it again. Free food. Well, well, I did. I did a very quick. I did a very quick search online, and um, those aren't my notes. I did a very quick search online, and I come came up with some really um, unique job benefits, and, and these are actual ones. One of them is fits along that line: free ice cream, um, or or any other product. And it's typically if the company is, is is in that. Something that they call paternity or fraternity, leave. You know, you get a new pet, they're gonna give you time off for that. Yeah, believe it or not. There's another group out there that will pay for your vacations, not not just pay your salary while you're on vacation, but actually pay for you to go on vacation. Think Airbnb. They actually give you about $2,000 a year to spend on vacation. Not a bad gig. Uh, there's something that I had never heard of. It. I told my son, and he's like, yeah, I've heard of it before. Something called cryopreservation. Anyone know what that is? That they'll actually freeze you while you're still alive in the hopes that 50 years down the road, they can actually bring you back. And believe it or not, there is a company that offers that out there. Um, Time off. Time off to volunteer. That's a, not, a, not a bad gig. I think uh, Sirv Steli would love it if, if companies would give people time off so that they could volunteer. Um, donation matching was something that was already mentioned. Not just matching what you say, but if you give to a charity, that company will match it as well to that charity. That's, a, that's something that is actually quite common in America where we're from. Um, fertility treatments is something they'll help with. Adoption assistance, excellent excellent thought there. Uh, new baby bonuses or benefits. So the more babies you have, they give you. Um, I think actually Facebook is one of those. Facebook is really into that stuff, helping you guys in, in that regard. Nap rooms. And believe it or not, these are not just for the babies. These are actually for the adults, the ones working. Nap rooms, not a bad gig. Um, This is something that, that again, many folks in in America love this one because our tuition rates are so high. So most of the students actually need to borrow money to be able to go to university. But some companies will actually pay off your student loans. Not a bad gig. Um, And then the last one that I came up with was something called summer hours to where during the rest of the year you have these are your hours, but then in the summertime... When it's hot, they adjust to the hours. A lot of the very common one is Friday, you only work maybe until 2 in the afternoon or something like that. Kind of give you a head start on the weekend. So, yeah, the benefits um, of jobs. Now, obviously, we're not here to talk about the workplace and kind of what, the jo- what benefits we get, but guys, as Christians and as believers, we've also been promised many things, if I could say benefits, so to speak, um, and, and here's, here are some of them from Scripture, and you're going to see some verses flash up here on the screen. First one, Philippians 4.13, this is one of the promises that we have been given, one of the benefits of being a Christian, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, side note here, I love this verse. But I've been asked numerous times, you guys may have gotten this before, where, you know, what is your favorite verse in all of the Bible? And, um, and, and one that I actually like to quote to people is found in First Opinions 4.13. You'll see it up here on the screen. I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. You know, because that is, that, that's, that's something that a lot of people, like in our, in our circle, so to speak, we do a lot of times. But um, yeah, we've been promised many things. Um, Philippians 4.19, God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good. Okay, so these are, these are things, and, and the word of God is filled with many other benefits, to a life of following Christ. And these are true, guys, and they need to be taught, and we need to hold on to them. These are such an encouragement to us. But, now I want to speak specifically to those of us in the audience here who call themselves Christ followers. Or maybe some of you who you're considering a change in your life direction to following what Jesus teaches while the above promises are true, one of the least talked about benefits to following the teachings of a rabbi that walked this earth about 2,000 years ago was that there would be sufferings. Now, let's look at what God in His message to us, the Bible, said about this, and I'll call it a perk, a benefit of being a Christian. 2 Timothy 3:12 Scripture says indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted Here a, a guy named Paul who in his early life he spent years persecuting the Christians And then he had a change in his direction in life where he decided, I want to be now following this Jesus. And when he made that decision to be a Christ follower, immediately this became a reality for him. Immediately he began being beaten, he began being mocked, he began being thrown in jail. And guys, it wasn't just from unbelievers. In fact, early on in his life, when he first converted, even the believers, the guys who called themselves Christians, they didn't want to hang out with him. They were a little skeptical of him. So now Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young leader in the church, and he's telling him, Timothy, if you're serious, if you're serious about following Jesus, you will be persecuted. And that truth, guys, is for us today. If you're serious about following Jesus, you will be persecuted. You know, those of us who had committed to following Christ, we can be quite eager to share the salvation message. I mean, you heard Bates just talk about it now, the Alpha Course. This is something that we want folks to hear about. And and guys, it's normal for us to focus on what, on what Scripture promises. This idea that we'll be a new creation. Or this idea that there will be restoration between us and God. Or this idea that all things work together for good. Or I can do all things through Christ. Those are, those are promises and important promises that we need to look to. But when we are in the business of making disciples, we can't just tell people half the story. We can't just tell people half the story. You know, Peter, he's a guy, one of Jesus' closest friends while he was here on this earth. uh, He wrote a letter to some believers. And these believers were actually scattered throughout an area called Asia Minor. And it appears... As we look at what Peter wrote, it appears that these believers either had only heard half of the story, because look at it, 1 Peter 4.12, you're going to see it up here. This is what he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Peter is saying that suffering is a part of the benefit package of being a Christian. Don't be surprised when it happens. Be expecting it to happen. This isn't something that that should take us by surprise. Now, the reality is, as we look around ourselves and just kind of evaluate our life over these years, the vast majority of us in this room, we've kind of grown up probably in what I would call Western context. Western countries in the sense of governments and things like that. And guys, in, in, the, in our Western context, suffering is not the norm. Suffering the way Paul is talking about, it's not the norm. And, and the reason it's not the norm is that the vast majority of Western governments, the vast majority of Western governments, they actually had their foundations, their laws statutes and everything, actually was founded in Judeo-Christian worldview. And so it has influenced us. But the reality is, when you look at the entire world, the entire world, there's a far greater majority of the world's governments that actually have not been influenced by the Judeo-Christian worldview. And being a Christ follower in those contexts means that suffering and persecution is a much greater reality for them. So, again, with the reality of our mandate, as believers, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples till the ends of the earth. Okay, With that as a reality, when we look at where are those people now, the vast majority of them, they're actually in those governments. They're actually in those governments where They don't have kind of a western world view or a western mindset. They're in those areas where um, predominantly those governments are going to be very hostile to the teaching of God's word. So let's get practical. I want to suggest very quickly three ways, some practical ways that we can prepare For the reality of suffering as a Christian. So if you're taking notes, if you want to take notes, it's going to be three simple points with the last point being expanded just a little bit. The first one, Christian workers need to examine our own hearts. Christian workers, we need to examine our own hearts. As Christians, not, there should not be any sense of entitlement. Again, Paul is writing to Timothy, the young disciple of his, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. You'll see it up here on the board. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. And what Paul is telling Timothy, he says, hey, therefore, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor for me his prisoner, but share in the suffering of for the gospel by the power of God. Paul is telling Timothy that as Christians, while we may not actually be suffering, we need to be sharing in the suffering of those who are actually suffering. This notion of if I become a Christian, then all will be smooth sailing, guys, that's just, that's just not a biblical teaching. It's not a biblical teaching that everything is going to be rosy for us once we become a Christian. Um, Don't miss what Paul is saying. It appears as though Timothy and other believers at the time, they weren't going through difficult times. But Paul was in prison when he wrote this. And Paul writes saying that Christians should be joining him. As believers, we are not exempt from suffering. Again, that's the package deal. When you went to To your employer, Jesus, and and, and agreed, hey, I'm going to be doing this Christian life. That's part of the package deal, is suffering. We need to examine our own hearts. Second one, we need to share the cost of discipleship the way Jesus did. Share the cost of discipleship the way Jesus did. Some of you who are familiar with the Bible... You remember that story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. He's interacting with some guys who want to actually follow him. And they come to him and they say, God, Jesus, I'll leave everything and I'll follow you. And what does Jesus tell them? Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. In other words, animals, God's creation actually has places to put their head. Places to sleep, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, he doesn't pull any punches with these guys. Remember, as believers, and when we're sharing our faith with others, we're not offering a cozy life to people. What we're offering is Jesus. Jesus. And if we offer Jesus and not then the promise of a cozy life, we're doing what Jesus talked about. Remember, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that draws people to Jesus and not some attractive packaging of the message. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who was in confronted by this drunk one day and the drunk guy comes up to him just completely wasted and he tells Charles Spurgeon he says he says you saved me at one of his revivals a couple weeks back and Charles Spurgeon says yeah it looks like that was me who saved you because if it was Jesus you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. So what we're offering, we're offering Jesus. We're not offering some cozy life. And it's the Holy Spirit that's actually going to be attracting them. And then finally, the third one. We must include the subject of suffering in our immediate follow-up with the new believers. I had an opportunity this last uh, week, again, to be in Mozambique. I I do quite a bit of teaching there throughout the year. And I was sharing with a group, um, a, a staff of an organization, local Mozambicans, who are actually in, the, in, in this business, making disciples. And I told them, I, I said, guys, we need to be talking about the entire package. Um, but it's not necessarily you lead with suffering. <laughs> but this, this idea that in the immediate follow-up with new believers... We need to let people know. We need to let people know what they can be expecting. And so how do we do this? Well, here's some key thoughts from God's Word. Some ways that we can actually be following this teaching. The first one, followers of Jesus, they should not be surprised or caught off guard by suffering. Nobody who is following Jesus, this should come as a surprise. All of a sudden, suffering is there. And we've already covered this one. Peter writing to the Christians that were scattered throughout Asia Asia Minor. um, In 1 Peter 4.12 here. Guys, that's part of the benefit package of being a Christian. Suffering. Second point there. They need to endure suffering without compromising their integrity. And again, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these verses here. You can look them up later. But, guys, we've been called to make disciples. And just because the going gets tough, just because suffering enters into the picture, doesn't mean that we put discipleship making on hold. Doesn't mean that we sort, of, we sort of bail out. In fact, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy... There in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he tells Timothy that you need to actually fulfill the ministry. Persecution is happening. Suffering is happening. Now, fulfill the ministry. Don't stop. The third, they must love their persecutors and pray for their welfare. One of the things I love to tell people is when I teach from God's word, you're not hearing, hopefully, my opinions. This is God speaking here. He's telling us here in Matthew 5 that we actually need to. If you guys don't like this, please don't come and argue with me. Go argue with God. Because this is Him saying this that we need to love our persecutors, pray for their welfare. This is tough. When we were in Mozambique over these last couple of years, we had some of this stuff happening to us. We had guys invading our farm. We had guys trying to break into our farm, destroying everything, all the work that we had done in our farm, breaking the windows of our house, trying to get in. And then here I am inside with my wife and four little kids. And what does God call us to do? Pray for them, love them. That's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do, but... Again, this is something that God calls us to do. You know, it's easy to love friends who do good to us. That's not that difficult. As disciples of Christ, we're called to go above and beyond that and love and pray for those who do us harm. Next one. They are to renounce any intention to take revenge. Romans twelve fourteen to twenty one. Here God talks about revenge or vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I got to tell you, when those things happened to us when we were overseas or in Mozambique, uh, there were times and I'd be like, okay, here's here's my plan. I'm going to set a trap for them next time. I'm going to get revenge. No, God says, let me handle that. Don't start plotting. Vengeance. Suffering is part of what you've been called to do. The next one. They are to trust God in the middle of their suffering and respond by proactively doing good. Guys, it's not just enough to not do bad. Let me repeat that. It's not enough to simply not do bad things to people. God actually calls us to be proactive proactively doing good. We need to be doing good things for people. Scripture actually says here in in 1 Peter, he says that we are commanded to do good to them. Not, Not just ignore them. That's the easy thing to do. But actually do good to those people. Next one. They are to use their experience of suffering as a basis for comforting others who suffer? And again, what we're talking about here is how can we actually better prepare, not only for ourselves, but as we're evangelizing and making disciples, how can we help them get ready for the suffering that will be coming to them? Use experience of suffering as a basis for comforting others who suffer. You know, some of you have gone through some incredible suffering. Some of you parents, you've lost children. Some of you have recently lost a parent. Others of you may have lost a sibling. Use those experiences within the body of Christ to actually be able to come for others who are suffering those same things. Next one. Fix. Our eyes on Jesus. During this suffering, don't take your eyes on due north. Keep yourself focused on your boss. Keep yourself focused, your eyes focused on the promises. Yes, those promises that we talked about earlier, that that I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And the last one, they're commanded to rejoice. They're commanded to rejoice. 1 Peter 4.13 says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's (coughs) suffering. Now guys, we don't rejoice in suffering because we enjoy pain. You know, I think there's another term for that. But rather... We rejoice because we know Jesus is worthy. And we delight in being identified with him. When we suffer, we now are identified with Jesus who also suffered. Of course, it doesn't hurt that the suffering is temporary, knowing that. That's another promise that God gives in his scripture. Suffering is temporary. So guys, for those of you who are checking out church and God, and you're wondering what kind of a terrible sales pitch this is for following Jesus, um, I'd love to talk more with you about it. I'd love to talk more about this Jesus that we keep talking about in here. You know, there's a family in, my wife's in my hometown in Lexington, Kentucky. They went through an incredible tragedy. Tragedy of losing a son. Tragedy of a sister losing a brother um, in a vehicle accident. This happened back in, about a few years back. Um... The sister, the younger sister, her name is Ann Wilson. And Ann gives this testimony um, about this entire experience. And I want you guys to take a look at this testimony, uh, because when we're done with this testimony, um, we're actually going to be closing our time and doing communion, something that we do here. And and we're going to do it to the words of a song that she wrote and sang. Um, Just a beautiful song about my Jesus. So take a look at um, at this video.
2: Growing up, I would always look up into the sky and stare at the stars. I always dreamed of being an astronaut and working for NASA. I never imagined doing anything else. I started playing piano when I was six years old, and I absolutely hated it. My mom made all three of us take lessons. Jacob hated it the most out of all of us. Jacob loved to hunt. He loved being in the outdoors more than anything. Come Look how cute she is. This is Sally, um, Jacob's hunting dog and best friend. One of my favorite things about Jacob was he would never say a bad word about anyone. If I would even start to say something bad about someone, he would immediately stop me. He was the kindest person I've ever met. He would always make everyone feel so included and loved and welcome. Jacob was always the life of a party. He was always so funny and goofy, and it was just such a joy to be around. It was 3.30 in the morning and my sister came running into my room. She said, Ann, I think something happened to Jacob. And so I look outside and the only thing I can see are flashing blue lights. I run downstairs and the first thing I see are six policemen standing in front of my front door. They all had really sad faces. So I walked into the living room and I see my parents. My mom was sitting on the chair, screaming and crying. My dad was sitting on the couch with his head in his hands. And I just walked over to him and I just said, Dad, is he dead? He had just died in a car accident three hours prior. I was in shock. I couldn't even cry at that moment. It's probably... The most hopeless feeling in the entire world when you lose someone that you love. It almost feels like you cannot take your next breath. I heard the Lord say to me so clearly, Ann, are you gonna trust me or are you not? So I turned around and I faced the doors in that room and I said to the Lord, Jesus. I trust you. As a family, it was very devastating to lose Jacob. When you lose someone you love, there's a decision that has to be made. It's very easy to be angry at the Lord and to blame Him. But the Lord really showed me that I needed Him more than anyone and that He's sovereign and that He's good no matter what. Yes, I have questions and And it's okay to have questions, but there was no point for me to be angry at the Lord when I needed Him most. The next morning, um, I got some time to myself, and I sat down at the piano, and I just started to sing What a Beautiful Name. I really just took that time to thank the Lord for giving me Jacob for the years that I had him. And as I was playing and just worshiping the Lord, my parents um, came in, and they heard me singing it. And... They asked me if I would be willing to sing it at the funeral. And at first I said, no, absolutely not. Uh, I had never sang in front of anyone before. And so I sat down with the Lord and I just talked to him and prayed with him. And I just, I really felt him calling me to sing at the funeral. And so I eventually decided that I would sing and I got some friends together and we put together a version of What a Beautiful Name. As I walked up on stage and I sat at the piano, the Lord took every bit of nervousness away from me. I heard him say to me so clearly that I was called to worship him. And he was saying to me, I'm calling you to worship me, to praise my name and to glorify me. And at that point, I had no further interest in NASA or doing anything like that. And all I had in me was the desire to worship the Lord and praise him. The Lord has really put on my heart how he can bring beauty from ashes and has done that completely in my life. I feel so honored and grateful that I get to share that with people and that I get to tell my story with people on how the Lord completely has transformed this awful and depressing and terrible tragedy into something so beautiful. For me, moving forward, no matter how hard this gets, I'm choosing to trust God.
1: As from this tragedy, she ended up going on to write a song that um, actually reached the number one spot in the Christian billboard uh, last year. Um, and, I, and I wanted us to, as we take communion, again, which is something that as believers in Christ, we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. There are stations, one in the front, two in the front up here. I think also in the back over here, and this song called My Jesus that she wrote and sang will be playing during this time, and I just want you guys to spend some time just alone, just alone as you get the cracker and you get the juice. Uh, listen to the song, listen to the words of the song that are being played, and um One of the the phrases that she says there is, let me tell you about my Jesus. And, And our prayer is if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus and doesn't know the comfort that can come from an example like this, we'd love to share with you. We'd love to spend some time with you. There'll be some leaders also available for that. Um recognizing that suffering is part of it but God is God is going to be there. God is going to be there for us. So let's go ahead and the, while the music is playing, let's just go ahead and get that and come back to our seats to take it.
3: Are you past the point of weary? is your burden weighing heavy is it all too
2: much to carry let me tell you about my Jesus do you feel that empty feeling cause shame's done all it's stealing and you're desperate for some healing let
3: me tell you about my Jesus he makes a way where there ain't no way To oh, let me tell you
2: about me, let me tell you about my Jesus,
3: oh, he makes a way where there ain't no way, right
0: thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're in control, that you're sovereign. We thank you, Father, that when we face suffering, that you're with us. We thank you that nothing in life and suffering in life is not meaningless, but that you have purpose for it. We thank you that you are a great comforter, that you'll be with us, and you promise to be with us as we face suffering, Father. And I want to pray that you would help us as your people to face suffering uh, with joy, as Paul calls us to, Father God, that we would rejoice in sufferings that we face because of the opportunities that they give to bring you glory and to love and honor people around us. In your name, amen.